Hey folks, and welcome back to Return to the Telepodcast, a show about shitty horror movie sequels, prequels, reboots, uh, kind of the whole nine yards. I'm Bryce Patterson, and I'm joined once again by my dear friend and co-host, Kevin Serrano Echevarria. Hello, hello, everybody. So if this is your first time joining us, here's the deal. Each episode of this show focuses on, you know, an iconic horror movie that had just a dumpster fire of a sequel. So Kevin and I will explore kind of what we see as the non-negotiable elements that made the original film so great, and then how the sequel falls short of that. And then we'll pitch each other ideas for different directions that the story could have gone instead. This week, we're talking about the first two Halloween films. So John Carpenter's Halloween, released in 1978, and the 1981 sequel, Halloween 2. We're also, I think we'll touch at least briefly on the just god-awful Rob Zombie uh, reboot slash remake movies. And I think we might also just briefly talk about the 2018 reboot uh, as well, because that takes a really interesting approach to, you know, uh, creating a sequel to the original film so many decades later. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we'll try and keep that part of our conversation spoiler free, just because the movies, you know, it's still sort of recent. We were we were just talking about this that it, you know, it came out in 2018, which is, uh, you know, almost four years ago at time of recording. But like two of those years are COVID, so it, yeah, COVID years don't count. Yeah. So so going into this conversation, Kevin, I know uh, I think you and I have very different feelings on the original Halloween. Yeah. So do you want to start us off with your thoughts on? I guess let's do maybe both like the original and Halloween too. Okay. So my thoughts on the original one is that it's, you know, I'm kind of torn on it because like, it's hard for me to watch it now in like 2022. And yes, I had to look up the year because I'm still figuring that shit out. Amen, brother. (laughs) It's hard for me to figure, it's hard for me to watch it in 2022 with like all of these massive like horror tropes that came from Halloween. I, I was pretty much like referencing like every single thing while I was watching the movie that it, was, it felt just like the beginning of Scream in a lot of parts of it. But that's because like Scream was literally referencing that. But it felt so like chock full of like horror movie cliches. And I like I accept that like those cliches kind of started for the most part there. But like it still makes it like almost unwatchable. And regardless of that, like a lot of the cliches are like the last girl jamie lee kurt who's jamie lee curtis in this film the last girl being like the biggest like fool ever like there are so many moments where like she could have just like ensured that michael myers would have died or would have at least not followed them anymore like this was like prior to like kind of like me as an audience person figuring out that michael myers is some sort of like weird monster who's immortal and for some reason won't just fucking stay dead um so like the first time that like jamie lee curtis stabbed him in his eye and then she just like threw the knife like next to his unconscious body to like attend to like the children i was like decapitate that motherfucker right now you goddamn right Right. (laughs) yeah right there yeah, no, nobody will just like double tap in the uh, in the original Halloween. I guess Dr. Loomis has that whole thing. He's like, I shot him five times, five yeah. times. We're like, wait, how many times did you shoot him? Five times. I but it's it six times, actually. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Some amount of time. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, fucking kind of ur-virgin 
Laurie Strode just kind of keeps being like, oh, I guess he's dead. I just stuck him with a coat hanger. And it is, it is really difficult. I think especially because we have so many years of horror movies now. And right. like, you, you know, you mentioned Scream, which I think is very much, you know, has so many different homages to Halloween. But I think in a way, I mean, Scream is amazing. And I think it almost ruins a lot of horror movies that come before it yeah. because the characters feel so much more, they feel smarter and just like more invested in their own survival on some level, right? Like they actually right. try to not get murdered. Yeah, that's so strange for a horror movie. Yeah. No, I mean, I, so I love the original Halloween. It has like a really special place in my heart. But I think, a lot of that comes down to just like the kind of the, the craftsmanship of the film. You know, I think it's, it's beautifully shot. Um, oh, definitely. Cundy, yeah. The cinematographer does a lot of these amazing, you know, the kind of wide shots. And we talked about this while we were mm-hmm. watching it. There's the kind of character in the close-up, And then we have in the background this, or I guess the character in the foreground and in mm-hmm. the background, some kind of doom slowly moving in. There's a lot um, of foreground background stuff. It's very, um, very Renaissance almost like perspectives and shit yeah yeah and I I think there's something really beautiful to that and I think there's that that kind of comes out in the pacing of the film as well then that uh, you know a lot of later slasher movies I think rather than kind of upping the ante on the tension they kind of up the ante on the the violence right so Halloween I think moves a little slower than I'm used to seeing in in slasher movies right I think it's also just that it's the 70s, so it has this kind of retro nostalgia that just feels really homey to me. Uh, at the same time, as so many later movies have copied it so kind yeah. of point for point that it can be difficult at times. And it's like so weird that it's like a slasher movie that like basically has zero gore. Like it yeah. has a lot of implied gore. And the second movie has a little bit more actual gore in it. But like the first movie at all, you barely even see like any blood at all, which is so weird. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's something, I think that's something we're going to bump into again and again in this series, right, that kind of, again, I think it comes down to, like, how these films try to up the ante, and I think often unsuccessfully, I mean, uh, spoilers for everyone, (laughs) we thought Halloween 2 was a piece of shit. Glorious piece of shit. But but yeah, I, I think that's one of the really genuine differences, right, is the original, I think, has that kind of Hitchcock pacing where it's very much, you know, there's a bomb under the table and you're waiting for it to go off versus, I think, the the second one and the kind of franchise that follows and much of the slasher genre relies much more heavily on kind of, you know, we're not really invested in the bomb, we're inv- invested maybe in the aftermath of it i don't know i this this analogy is tortured which is weird because there's like two explosions in the second one yes yeah (laughs) so what was uh what was your experience of watching halloween 2 it it it, i feel like it has a lot more logical inconsistencies than the first one the first one didn't have that many um the second one didn't make a lot of sense and they kind of dropped a lot of plot points the biggest one i think that they dropped is like one like when the detective thought, or one of the police officers, I think, thought that, like, one of the children out Halloweening who was, like, for some reason dressed exactly like Michael Myers, which made absolutely no sense. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody at that point knew who Michael Myers was. It's like, the story literally just came out. And, like, he just got run over 
he got smashed uh, over, I should say, by like a cop car. And then he got like trampled onto another car behind him and then it just fucking exploded. Yeah. It was yeah. kind of it was kind of amazing, but like they never referenced the fact that like they killed an innocent child after Right. That. Which I mean, in some ways, maybe that's very accurate to uh, American policing that we have this moment of I mean, yeah. Somebody's just like, oh, he's the guy dressed like the person that none of us actually knows what the Michael Myers outfit is because none of the cops or anything have seen him up to that right. point. And just fucking like pile drives him into i think it might have even been an ambulance that he slammed him into that's so ironic i love it yeah 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 it's yeah yeah i think that's the big way they up the ante and uh the second one is just like all right so now we have a budget for explosions let's go buck wild (laughs) they have two very gratuitous almost unnecessary explosions in the in the film and it's kind of great yeah 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 well, so before we get uh, uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I'll just quickly summarize the plot of the original Halloween. So 15 years after murdering his older sister, Michael Myers breaks out of a mental health facility where he's been held for uh, 15 years and returns to his hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois. He stalks and murders several babysitters over the course of the evening before being shot by his former psychiatrist, Dr. Loomis, who's been kind of hunting him the whole night. And the film ends with his body having disappeared. And so we we get this kind of weird, uh, I guess, sense that Michael Myers is somehow mystical or it's not just a dude in a mask. You know, he's he's something more, though. It's never really, at least not in the first two films, it's not really explored what that is. Yeah. And that, like, comes, like, up with, like, one of my gripes kind of about the movie is that, like, one, what is he if he's, like, not a person? Like it's never explained. It like it it's it's trying to give like some sort of like weird supernatural like explanation as to like what Michael Myers is, but like it's not. It doesn't feel like it's that kind of movie. If that makes any sense, like he's the only supernatural element at all, and even then he's not that supernatural. No, it's a it's a really interesting question, right? Because I think you know the the original Rob Zombie remake does try to delve more into Michael Myers' backstory. Mm-hmm. And it's an absolute dumpster fire uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, mainly because it's written and directed by Rob Zombie. But the the later, some of the later films in the series as well, in the kind of original run of it, have this whole thing. It's like the Curse of Thorn, I think is what it's called. And it's some cult that's trying to summon a thing. And if Michael Myers is able to kill his whole extended family okay that just makes it worse that's not that's not the direction i was thinking (laughs) yeah yeah no Uh, yeah i mean i think that's one of the really difficult things about creating a sequel to halloween right is that kind of more information makes it worse really fast you know or or you lose the kind of the the heart and the mystery of it i just want michael myers to be some guy really like just this dude who just gets killed at the end and doesn't come back Yeah, you know, I mean, there is something to be said for there are a couple different moments in the film where it's sort of ruminating on these just sudden kind of meaningless bursts of violence. So both Michael's initial murder of his sister, but there's also a scene where Dr. Loomis is in the graveyard and they're looking for the tombstone of Michael Myers' sister, which um, he's actually stolen at that point in the film. 
and the the kind of groundskeeper i guess of the cemetery is is talking about this kind of again just this this sudden inexplicable burst of violence and, and and so yeah, I think there is something to more of a reading of the film being about just kind of the the I guess incomprehensible maybe violence of the human condition, and that maybe that's kind of undercut by by Michael Myers being sort of supernatural on some level. I don't know. I mean, like, there's definitely that. Like, there are people who have like at least conceivably who have the capacity to do what Michael Myers did, and like. It just feels like his entire backstory gets undercut by the fact that he's like this demon, I guess. Because like we see him as a child and he's just like a regular kid who just like murders his sister, whatever. He's 10 years old. I can imagine a 10 year old murdering anyone. Um, and he just <laughs> spends 15 years in a mental institution, which sounds it sounds really weird to like keep like a odd, immortal, supernatural being in a mental institution for 15 years. Like, why would they do that? You know, there's a, there's some good questions there. <laughs> that, I mean, honestly, I, I think this this kind of segues nicely into, you know, talking about what made the original Halloween so so iconic. You know, I mean, I, we touched on some of the difficulties, I guess, of, of watching it today. But at its release, it was, I think, the most successful independent film of all time for some oh, wow. number of years. It was just a, a phenomenon. And obviously, right, we see uh, in 1980, Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th is released and kicks off, you know, another enormous uh, franchise. But there's also, you know, Prom Night, My Bloody Valentine. There's this explosion mm-hmm. of super low budget slasher films that, that, that right. follow the original Halloween. So, you know, I mean, I guess obviously it did something right uh, to, uh, or, or, or something or some amount of things. And I, I think that kind of mix of Michael Myers being both this kind of physical and, I guess, spiritual uh, on, on some level being, or uh, both physical and supernatural, you know, we see that mirrored uh, really closely in Jason yeah. in the Friday the 13th films. And I think that's one of the one of the things that made it so iconic. Yeah, and I can see that definitely. But I feel like we need more like movie monsters that are just like some dude. Like, just some guy who just, like, was real upset someday. Just, like, decided to kill a lot of people until he got killed. Because, like, that's how, like, actual serial killers are. There are people who do that. Like, we got that pretty much in, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Where it's just, like, some dude who just kills people. And, like, I felt like that worked really great. Like, I don't need, like, this weird, like... I don't need what Rob Zombie did where he's, like, this weird lore to, like, explain everything and i also don't need like what i guess the original movie did where it's just like this guy but he's also immortal i just want some dude just give me a dude that's killing people (laughs) just give me a dude just give me a dude give me pictures of a dude yeah yeah i mean i I think you know we get this kind of boom of both so we have the kind of the silent killer right um that michael myers never speaks and i don't think he even like grunts or anything you know he's almost ghostly in a way yeah and he disappears like um when like jamie lee curtis's character like sees him just like randomly for like a split second then she looks away and then she looks back he disappears which like as and and it happens early in the movie before you like know that he's a supernatural being so like for me as a viewer of watching i was just like 
is he just sprinting away really fast? <laughs> right, right. It's funny because everywhere else in the movie, he walks at this very like leisurely pace. Yeah. Um, so when he's trying to kill somebody, he moves very slowly. But the moment he's like, oh God, I think Lori saw me, you know, he's out of there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think something that's really interesting to me about the the original Halloween is there's, there's that kind of Michael is both kind of hunter and hunted on, on some level, you know, that Dr. Loomis is out on the town, you know, trying to hunt him down and trying to chase him down. Right. At the same time as, as, you know, Michael's out, uh, you know, butchering babysitters. Yeah. But I, I, I think there's, there's something to that. And it, it's similar, I think, in the ways that Leatherface is sort of childlike, that there's this, this sort of like innocence or curiosity to Michael Myers in a way. You know, he does this really particular kind of head tilt. Uh, yeah. Often, like right after he's murdered somebody, like he's trying to figure out kind of what he's done or like once somebody's dead like what has changed or something you know there's yeah there's there's that that curiosity to him that i think is is really fascinating and it's actually i think something that would be really interesting to explore in sequels that kind of almost delayed adolescence or or prolonged adolescence i guess yeah it's really he is infantilized. I wouldn't say as much as leatherface was leatherface was very infantilized especially in the second Texas Chainsaw movie. Michael Myers is kind of kind of just stuck in this like almost childlike sort of like beingness where it almost just feels like I think a lot of it has to do with the way that like we infantilize people with mental illnesses maybe. Like I, I very much see Michael Myers as like this person who or this representation of like people's fear regarding people with mental illnesses. Because he like got out of like a mental hospital and he's being chased down by a psychologist, which in real life would never happen. Um, right, right. <laughs> so like and like he has no agency in himself. He can't speak uh, or he doesn't speak, I should say. He's literally just this like monster who is killing people. Yeah, yeah. When I, you know, Loomis, I mean, there's that interesting thing, right? The psychiatrist who's just convinced, you know, that Michael is some kind of uh, almost like like a, a manifestation of right. evil, I guess. Yeah. Right. Which is like fucking weird. Cause like, I, he, like this dude's just like severely mentally ill. <laughs> like he just needs to like be put in a mental institution. That's actually secure. He doesn't need to be like fucking shot six times. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, again, I think maybe that comes back to that both like human inhuman thing right. about, about Michael Myers, right. That he's, not just someone who's mentally ill, at least in the in the way that Loomis frames him. You know, he's something right. more deeply evil, which is funny because uh, at the point before he's actually escaped from the uh, mental institution where he's mm-hmm. been, he murdered his sister. But that's it. You know, he's only which I mean, I mean, you know, not to you say that one murder isn't like a huge deal, right? right? But like, he's only done one like really horrible <laughs> thing, and then otherwise he's just sat staring at a wall for fifteen right. years. Right. And Loomis is like, no, he's evil. He's evil. He's a manifestation of evil for killing his sister at 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. Loomis as a character is just so interesting to me as well. And by interesting, I mean, like, confusing. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I'm constantly just, like, stunned by, like, how his lines are so vague and don't make any sense. Like, I, th- I think my favorite line is, like, you don't know what death is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I think that was like after one of the neighbors said that he almost scared him to death. Yeah. And the neighbors like, you don't know what death is. Like, what does that mean? What are you trying to uh, say? So what happens when the co-writers of the film really didn't want to be writing it, uh, which famously John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were not really interested in doing a sequel and really struggled with the script. But yeah, you end up with these kind of like, I think what wants to be sort of a pithy one-liner that's like, wait, what? It's a, it's a, it's a failed was beauty killed the beast. I think. Yeah. Kevin, would you summarize the plot of Halloween 2 for us? You know, I'll try my best. So Halloween 2 starts off like literally right when the, uh, the first movie ends. Uh, it starts off with like literally that are just being well after the recap. It's just like we get like scenes of Michael Myers like escaping where he was supposedly shot six times. Which I guess like he's for the most part fine after. Uh, he sneaks around to like some random people's home, gets a knife. There's reports of him like being around now, so people like know that he's a thing. Uh, he kills some other person like what 20 minutes after he killed other people. <laughs> it's all on the same night. Uh, after that, like. We mostly just follow uh, for a little while Loomis and the police detectives, like just kind of giving some backstory, trying to figure out who he is, what's happening. Um, And then he just goes, uh, we just go into the hospital. We like follow. Oh, um, after that, uh, Lori's like been to the hospital because she's been like stabbed by Michael Myers, things like that. She's been injured, I should say. Uh, I think her like something is slashed. I don't know. Uh, so we just follow her going to the hospital. That's kind of like where the whole movie is. Michael Myers somehow ends up ends up there. He kills a lot of people, or uh, in a very in a very similar way as it's in like the first movie. It really is just kind of a rehash of the first movie. Just Michael Myers killing in a in a normal a, a lot of people. A lot uh, of people. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> in the span of like a couple of hours, really. In this hospital, I think he kills like four nurses, a doctor, a security guard. Uh, yeah. In this weirdly like empty hospital too, right? <laughs> like it's very, it's... it's a very empty hospital for it being like Halloween night, like 10 p.m. in like a, I guess like a fairly average size city. Yeah. So there's there's one doctor on staff that night. A, I don't know, three or four nurses, a couple of dudes who. Ambulance drivers. The ambulances. Yeah. yeah, the ambulance drivers. And like a security guard, like one security guard. Yeah, and Lori. And Lori. no other patients. No. I guess there's a kid who shows up early on oh uh, God, after eating like a candy yeah. with like a razor blade in it. Yeah, and the nurse like literally just told him, sorry, you gotta wait. The doctor's a little busy, even though you're like bleeding out and could die at any second. Sorry. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's that's the vast majority of the film, right? The yeah. the only other thing is there's the reveal that. Laurie Strode is oh, right. actually Michael Myers' kind of long lost sister who was adopted yeah. after uh, after Michael murders his older sister. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Loomis literally just says that in like a throwaway line. Like we get a weird scene of like uh, as she's hallucinating, 
uh, because like she's on anesthetics, I think, where it's like sort of kind of like very imagistically implied that she has some kind of connection with Michael Myers, but it's very confusing and I kind of didn't see the point of that scene at all. Yeah, it's a it's a baffling moment. Um, and it's it's really probably the only piece of like new plot in the film on some level, right? right? It's sort of just like Halloween one ends, Lori's taken to the hospital, right. Michael Myers goes to the hospital to kill her. Oh, and she's his sister, right? There's there's <laughs> very little other kind of, I don't know, plot or narrative to it. There's the the cops like running over that guy and <laughs> blowing up an ambulance or whatever, but that's about that. it. Oh yeah, there's also the the end where they kill end up killing Michael Myers by just blowing up a hospital room by like filling it up with like explosive gases and then lighting a match. Oh yeah. 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 And you would uh they think that that would be the end of them. Actually, it's funny so so yeah, Loomis blows up the room that he and Michael Myers are in. And I think actually one of the huge missed opportunities of the later sequels is Loomis returns as a character, but yeah. he's not like hideously disfigured after being in this huge explosion and i think that's such an opportunity to actually do something different with that character but he's essentially the same again just kind of chasing around after michael myers with no you know noticeable change after being essentially blown up yeah the characters in the halloween franchise are like simultaneously like made out of paper in that they die incredibly easy and like just won't die like, yeah, the main murder weapon that like Michael Myers used in like this film was like, what like a extra sharp pair of forceps or something or like a weird scalpel, and like yeah. all he has to do is like stab them once and then they're dead. Or like he has to like very, I guess, unpassionately like strangle them for like five seconds. Like I've been strangled longer and harder than that, and I'm fine. Kevin, I uh learning Don't more ask about why. personal life. Yeah, every day. <laughs> Don't ask why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he kills a couple of people with like a syringe. But yeah, he's not using the most like what's the word I'm looking for? The most efficient tools, yeah. I guess. He and he ensanguinates, I guess would be the right word, bleeds someone out somehow. Yeah, yeah. But I think we gotta talk about like both Halloween one and Halloween two have a moment where one of the characters is trying to escape from Michael Myers and is like too dummy thick to make it like through a window <laughs> or a door i think it's annie it's the she was our favorite character from the first one oh, I love her. he's just in a shed and gets trapped <laughs> it's just this weird baffling moment of being like oh i guess i'm stuck <laughs> i hope no one comes and finds me <laughs> yeah yeah i hope no one murders me and actually she <laughs> even does survive that moment she does only to get killed like five minutes after yeah but yeah i mean i think fundamentally the issue for me at least with Halloween 2 is that it's essentially taking the third act of the original film and just expanding it by like 90 minutes right so it you know it doesn't feel like it a new story right it's basically just an expansion pack and it means that it's hard for there to be much of an arc to it really because it's just continuing the yeah the murder spree at the end of of the first film and like not to be like super harsh on the fact that they just expanded the last act but like when they do try to like make story it just doesn't work well like we already talked about like how for some reason Lori's michael myers's sister but that they just dropped that but they also have like 
they're really trying to push this like like couple between Lori and this just like curly haired motherfucker of a yeah yeah the ambulance driver ambulance yeah. driver which is so weird because like he's creepy as shit he has like zero game and like he gets killed by like not following OSHA regulations yeah he slips on a puddle of blood and just concusses the hell out of himself right just, yeah he just slips on a puddle of blood Michael Myers doesn't even kill him he just shows up in the room slips on a puddle of blood gets concussed to fuck basically like outs Lori's location to like Michael Myers and then presumably just dies. Yeah. Yeah. The, the romance aspect is so baffling because Lori is, she's unconscious for most of the film. And even when she is conscious, she's, you know, drugged to hell and back and just is totally out of it. So he keeps kind of lurking in her room. And I think it's, you know, I think we're supposed to read it. It's like, Oh, sweet. He cares about her. But like, what it's just him kind of walking in and then a nurse being like uh you can't be here (laughs) it feels very much like kill bill in that except kill bill like realized how creepy as shit that is yeah when i actually i think that speaks to the other major problem that i have with the film which is you know who is the main character of Mm -hmm. of halloween 2 like who is the actual protagonist you know i would go on a limb and just say dr loomis is probably the protagonist because like i'm pretty sure he has the most lines we follow him probably the most because he's actually doing stuff we can't really follow Lori; she's unconscious yeah yeah it, well it, it's interesting right because i think you're right that loomis is kind of the closest thing that we have to a main character but he doesn't really have an arc right yeah. you know I think maybe in a more intelligent script maybe the film would have been about him kind of coming to terms with like in order to kill Michael, he's going to have to die as well, which would be suggested by the explosion, which somehow doesn't even particularly like burn him all that bad. Doesn't kill either of them. It doesn't even damage either of them. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that, you know, it's, it's interesting because yeah, I think he he gets the most screen time. And whereas Laurie has probably like five lines in the entire film, pretty much, um, he doesn't really have an arc. He doesn't change over the course of the film. He doesn't even learn much that's particularly like new yeah it's 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 a a fundamental i think a fundamental problem of characterization in the film that there's nobody that we really follow consistently that actually has any kind of a journey they've gone on right so it really just ends up feeling like it's it's just michael myers going on a killing spree on these random people that we don't know about like, I'm pretty sure, like, at least, like, one or two of the nurses are just, like, nurses who show up in the scene, and then, like, five minutes later, they're killed. It's like, I don't I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I guess she was a nice lady, but, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think it speaks to another one of the kind of big shifts that we gradually see in, particularly in slasher sequels, which is that the killer is much more important as like a headlining character than anyone else who appears in it right right and part of that i think is producers being cheap and not wanting to hire the same actors for more films so uh basically because they don't want to pay them more so you end up having like a new kind of final girl in every film a new cast of dumb horny teenagers or dumb horny hospital staff or or what have you but then it, it ends up often making the movie feel kind of blank because you know Michael Myers doesn't have a personality. And that's mm-hmm. part of what makes him interesting is that he is this blank slate that we kind of 
project onto but there's there's not really anyone else right yeah it's it's literally just michael myers dr loomis who as we've talked about doesn't have a character arc and laurie who's unconscious for the vast majority of the film and you know i i feel like i need to i need to just quickly say that like i love shitty horror movie sequels on on some level right i've seen way more of the friday the 13th films uh than really than any sane person probably should like i i think that they are a blast and i actually really love the super kind of zany out there sequels like uh jason x where he goes to space that's a movie we should probably watch together at (laughs) some point uh actually yeah and david cronenberg has uh, a cameo in that playing a doctor which is amazing uh i love it i love it so much but yeah yeah so like i i love these films at the same time as i kind of am like guys we can do better than (laughs) than this And, and i think maybe part of the problem is like there's not that much life to halloween to really you know uh usually i think that there's there's a little bit more humor maybe there's a little bit more kind of fun in games of just the dumb horny teenagers living their dumb horny lives you know uh halloween 2 feels very kind of flatlined on some level of just michael myers gradually just picking people off and nobody's yeah it's that problem of characters again yeah there's just like not a lot of personality to the film. No, there really isn't. Like, I expect in, like, horror movie sequels for there to just be, like, a weird shift in, like, genre. Which, like, I guess, like, after watching Halloween 2, I can kind of understand why. Because, like, when you do the same thing as you did in the first, like, movie, it just kind of feels boring. Like, give me more. Give me drama. Give me comedy. Give me something. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it makes me appreciate texas chainsaw massacre 2 a little bit more just know, that I, like it's so weird because i hate that movie but like it's more it's so much more entertaining than halloween 2 yeah yeah and you know with all of the kind of weird bumbles and missteps in that film like at least they have like a chainsaw duel you know there's some at least they have a fucking chili competition <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 there's there's something fresh and different to it and 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 halloween 2 i think just brings nothing to the table it just has jamie lee curtis in a coma with a really bad wig too really bad wig they were really trying to what was it the film was like a few years after the first one they were really trying to hide the fact that she changed her hair yeah 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 it's that funny thing of like three years passing between the release of the two films but not even like a minute passing between the events of them yes look exactly the same (laughs) well so let's let's do some pitching did you have any any thoughts after watching this on like other other stories to tell or like uh where you would potentially go with a sequel you know it's kind of difficult because like I feel the way Halloween ended, the first one, it should have had Michael Myers just die. Like, I don't think he should have got, gotten back up from, like, being shot six times. So, like, if there were to be a sequel, I feel like there needs to be, like, maybe a copycat killer. I feel like that would make the most sense. But, like, I don't know. I also feel like there should be some sort of, like, big tonal change as well. I don't know if it should be, like, more of a comedy or like more of like a traditional well 
I guess, less traditional slasher where there's just more gore and they, they go into the cliches a lot more knowingly. I don't know. I just want like something different, like very, very different. I also want a different like killer as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for, I actually love the the hospital as a setting. I think it's really interesting that we move from these kind of, I don't know, small town neighborhoods or suburban neighborhoods into this one space. That I think that there is potential there to to do something something right. really interesting. And maybe it's just that it doesn't really feel like they lean into it being a hospital. Really you know, don't. it's still mostly empty. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I see like a hospital, like an actual believable hospital being a great setting. Just because like, they're constantly full of people. <laughs> yeah, they're very yeah. busy. We're like, if you had like a serial killer that's like going around killing people, they wouldn't be noticed for like a few hours. It's like nurses are just like running their rounds. Doctors are like doctoring things. People are busy. There's this dude with a runny nose who just won't shut the fuck up. Like, no one's going to care for a while. And, like, it's people dying. Like, people die in hospital. Like, no one's going to notice. Yeah. No, that's fair. And maybe it's just the idea of the film taking place almost entirely in a single building. That's kind of interesting right. to me. You know, because I think it speaks to that kind of... I, one of the things that I love about horror of people being trapped in a space that's mm -hmm. gradually kind of constricting in on them in, yeah. in some way, right? That they gradually have less and less options. They're generally kind of more and more damaged as right. the as the film goes on. Uh, it's kind of, you know, like the Nostromo and Alien that, that your characters are stuck somewhere. Right. And then have to be kind of resourceful in their response. And I think maybe that's another issue in, in Halloween 2 is that it's the same kind of just cat and mouse game by the end of... Michael Myers chasing Laurie around eventually Loomis shows up and like semi resolves things. Yeah, Whereas pretty much the same plot. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, you know, with a more kind of resourceful attitude of the kind of like, how would the characters trapped in a building with Michael Myers try and use that to survive? And maybe that's what I want from the hospital, right? Is them being like, all right, we got to barricade ourselves in right. the, room that has the babies in it i don't know nursery it's called a nursery yes thank you the nursery <laughs> <gasps> i really yeah. want i i like that idea a lot but i'm gonna go the opposite and i want there to be like michael myers takes manhattan or something like that as a sequel yes <laughs> where it's just like he's in a big city killing lots of people i want it to literally be the plot of home alone 2 except he's killing people <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i'm up for that yeah i uh again we talked about this with texas chainsaw that like an urban environment like radically changes the way that we think about these things um there's a great have you seen the film uh it's a david fincher movie zodiac yes i have i love uh, so it's one of my yeah one of my all-time favorites mm -hmm. uh but there's there's a great line where you know there's the the character who's just obsessed with the zodiac killer um, and, you know, the, the film moves through time and there's there's a point, you know, years after the initial murders where someone's saying like, yeah, the, the Zodiac killer wasn't that big of a deal on the scale of things, right? right? Like gang violence kills more people every year than, than the Zodiac killer ever right. did. Um, but he kind of captures the imagination. 
And I think there's something interesting there as well of seeing Michael Myers in the context of a place that just has bigger problems than Michael Myers, right? Or where he's not the central thing that's going on. Yeah, and it is really interesting when you think about the fact that like a lot of these slasher movies do happen in like suburban, white, upper middle class neighborhoods. Like five people getting killed in like a day there is like a big fucking deal but like if you go to new york or like chicago or literally any major city five people dying is like extremely low right right yeah it's it's very very different it's like who cares like whatever there's like probably billions or like probably hundreds of murderers like any one day in manhattan there are billions of murderers there are literally billions of literally billions literally billions all of them every single person there and more yeah. So so the direction that I took when I was thinking about this is one of the really big unanswered questions of the first film, which is how did Michael Myers learn to drive? How did he learn to drive? Like he's he's been <laughs> in a mental institution for 15 years since he was 10 years old. Like where did he get that knowledge? Do it, they teach it, do they teach mental patients how to drive now? I mean, I'm going to guess no. Yeah, not, not in 1978. Yeah. Um, but that's that's really interesting to me, right? Because it, it, it gives the sense, at least in my mind, that somebody inside of this institution was maybe invested in Michael Myers escaping. Right. And so, yeah, what I had kind of thought about is reframing the plot of the second one in a more mystery sense kind of like Loomis returning to the mental institution where Michael was held and trying to figure out, you know, why somebody would let him loose. Um, And so in that case, we're not really looking at the backstory of Michael Myers so much as we're treating him as kind of, you know, a natural disaster or like almost like a weapon that's, that's been released. Yeah. And that would make a lot of sense because like in the first movie, like how Michael Myers gets out of the mental institution is like never answered. It's just yeah. like we just see a bunch of like uh patients walking the yard like in the hospital's yard in the middle of the night for some reason. And then uh Dr. Loomis is just like, oh no, they got out. And then Michael Myers just takes his car. Yeah, it really is, I think it's it's a mystery that's not exploited by either of the first two films. And right. you know, to my knowledge, is never touched on in any of the later ones as well. But I think that's kind of fascinating to me. Right. And, you know, I mean, I, I there's a lot of maybe unanswered questions in my mind of how you would tell that story, right? Like, I do love the idea of Loomis returning to this institution, trying to figure out who had connection with Michael at different points, what have you. I don't know what Michael Myers is going to be doing at this point. Maybe he comes back and is hunting them through the asylum where he was held for all those years. I mean, are you going to be like... Are you just accepting the Michael Myers is a weird supernatural being thing? Because he got shot at the end of the movie and fell down like a third story window. You know, I'm I'm actually up for the Michael Myers being strangely supernatural, actually. Okay. For for me, that's never really been a problem. Cause I, I think what it what it does is that it turns the film from maybe like a reflection on michael myers as a person into it's sort of just thinking about what is the nature of evil or evil embodied and i'm willing to make that leap but i I guess i you know i mean i maybe i can try and uh theorize it or philosophize it or rationalize it as much as i want it just fundamentally has never bothered me 
that's valid. I think it bothers me because like he's the only like supernatural element, and it's like he's not even that supernatural. <laughs> and like if we are to like take if we if we we're to think of like Michael Myers as like an embodiment of evil, like what's more evil than like a person, just like a dude, just some guy? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it does speak to you. Like the film has these these brief kind of ruminations, I guess, on the capacity of 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 human violence or the cruelty right. of man to man. Right. Yeah. Like there, there's something to that idea of Michael Myers just being an everyday Joe who happens to be horribly murderous and has right. something against babysitters. Right. And it's like, if he's just like some weird random, like hell spawn demon or whatever, it's like, it's just kind of saying like, okay, maybe actual people aren't like this when it's like, then, then what was the whole point of giving him a backstory? Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's really fair. So I had one other pitch and again it's 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 pretty loose okay yeah i feel like with our our texas chainsaw episode i kind of came in with like all right here's our beat sheet here's the main (laughs) here's the deal this these are more just things that kind of stuck in my mind okay um so i see about this idea of michael myers as existing in kind of a loop Mm -hmm. so halloween one feels like so he he murders his sister at the beginning of the movie and after breaking out 15 years later, he steals her tombstone and then tries to create or potentially recreate some kind of tableau with one of the one of the murdered bodies in the tombstone. And so I guess maybe my reading of, of it on some level is that he's trying to recreate that experience of, uh, of that first killing uh, by, by murdering a series of kind of sister uh, surrogates, I guess, uh, which are these, these different babysitters. And so that makes me wonder about, okay, what happens if we do a sequel 15 years after the original film, which would be 78 plus 15. I can't do math, I'm sorry. Sometime. 2000, I think? Not even close. (laughs) I think it's like 1993. Um, I'm not a math major, okay? Yeah, no, I... I, (laughs) I, uh, God, someone is going to be listening to this and be like, it's obviously this year i i'm not paid to do math i hope to never do math ever again in my entire life i'm sorry if i offended you for my my bad arithmetical skills yeah uh, kevin and i would like to issue a formal apology for not knowing how to add two numbers like to issue a formal apology to uh math yeah it's cool don't worry guys we're grad students we're um working on master's degrees but can't add basic numbers but uh yeah so i think that puts us at 1993 which I potentially could think about, you know, what kind of happened in, in that year. I know last <laughs> in, in Texas Chainsaw, we talked a lot about like <laughs> Leatherface buying Bitcoin in the modern day or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there is something to thinking about Michael in terms of this, this loop and trying to, to recreate the initial high of that murder and being unable to. Um, Wait, I'm just looking up real quick when Groundhog Day came. I uh, came out because, <laughs> like, if it came out in '93, I'm just gonna like formulate this like head cannon where like Groundhog Day is actually is actually about Michael Myers. It did come out in '93. Holy shit! Oh my god, Michael Myers kills Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Myers kills Bill Murray, and it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. 
that's about all that I've got. I mean, I, I think Halloween is interesting because right, it does have the, I guess, the sequel hook at the end of the original film of Michael being shot. I shot him five times or I shot him six times right. being right. shot, you know, X amount of times and, and still being on the loose somewhere. So, so it opens itself for a sequel at the same time as it narratively feels like it almost doesn't need one in that the, the blankness of Michael Myers, the, the fact that he's this kind of blank slate, any attempt to create backstory or to understand or to, characterize him i think is really really difficult and and maybe maybe doomed to fail i guess maybe potentially there's a way to do that but i think trying to demystify michael myers ends up hurting that that kind of i guess maybe the 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 philosophical heart of the original film that it's very much dealing with violence that has no understandable source and no reasoning or logic or motive right well cool well uh kevin do you have any last thoughts on halloween one and two uh not really no just love me some jamie lee curtis loved her in activia like gotta love her in activia (laughs) the entire commercial franchise of activia loved her in that (laughs) to activia too furious activia tokyo drift Activia babies. <laughs> and loved her in uh, Freaky Friday. Literally a cinematic masterpiece, better horror movie than Halloween. <laughs> Return to the Telepodcast is a production of Silent Machine Studios, featuring music by My Silent Machine. If you enjoyed this episode, like, subscribe, and do whatever else you usually do with podcasts, I don't know. Thank you for listening.